Winston Churchill, Margaret Thatcher, Nelson Mandela, LeBron James, Megan Rapino, and you? As a gym owner and coach, you're a leader. Whether you like it or not, people look to you for guidance, strength, and inspiration. On this episode of Two Brain Radio, certified mentor and longtime gym owner Andrea Savard will tell you exactly how you can be a better leader for your staff and your clients. She's here right after this. Two Brain Radio is brought to you by Driven Nutrition. If you're struggling to develop a profitable retail program, you need to contact Jason Rule's team at Driven. Driven puts customers first and provides a huge product line with some of the highest margins around. They'll even provide training to help you grow your retail program. Kirk Hendrickson of Iron Jungle CrossFit says Driven, quote, has you, the affiliate owner, in mind. Driven Nutrition has some of the best support I have seen from any company we have partnered with, end quote. To find out how to make more money with supplements, visit DrivenNutrition.net. Welcome to Two Brain Radio. I'm Mike Warkenton, and I'm excited to talk leadership with Andrea Savard of Firepower Training in Ontario, Canada. Andrea is a former boxer, a corporate marketing exec, and one of the most experienced microgym owners in Canada. All right, Andrea, welcome to Two Brain Radio. How are you today? Thank you so much. I am awesome. I'm super, super excited and honored to be here. I'm pumped up too. Uh, you are one of the longest serving affiliate owners in Canada. Do you actually know what number you are? Not a hundred percent, but we've always gone with, we were just North of probably 250 worldwide. Yeah. So world, so you have got to be one of the very, very first ones in Canada. You're probably up there with, uh, with Cooper, I think probably in the same, yeah, the yeah. same range. Yeah. So I think we started the same year. So you've got a ton of experience and I'm, I'm super pumped to talk to you about leadership today because obviously you have, you've been a leader for a really long time. What was your year of uh, affiliation that you officially got into it? Early 2008. Yeah. So you've had a, a flock of athletes and staff and clients, uh, for you know, well more than a decade now, so you've got a ton of experience. Uh, and this was going to be your, your your talk at the Two Brain Summit, uh, which people can still register. That is going to be online, so be sure you check that out and register for that. But this leadership and influence—I can't wait to talk about this. Let's get right into it. Sounds good. Here's the thing, right off the bat: what is leadership? We've the people talk about this stuff all the time. There's books, movies, everything. Generally, what is leadership, and then how is that specific to the micro gym industry? Um. I, I see leadership as having the courage and confidence to, I say, step away from the crowd, not do what everybody else is doing just because everybody else is doing it. I see it, you know, creating space for change and then getting people to see your way of thinking um, and getting them to take actions on the thing that you want them to do. Those are three super important things. And that's, you know, what, tell me the first one again. Um. I say creating space for change. Yeah. And so like even in the current climate right now, you're seeing a lot of people that are doing exactly that because it's, we have the COVID thing. We have, you know, the, the black lives matter situation where mm -hmm. there's this huge social upheaval and people are actively working to change. And you see people stepping up and really asserting their leadership uh, to try and make space for that change, which is really, really cool. And in the fitness industry, uh, Chris has written about this, Chris Cooper, our founder, in some of his blogs where he's talking about how the industry is changing so fast right now and we have to adapt and it's their opportunity there is for people to, to be, step up and be leaders. And some of, those, some of that is going to be just in the sense of like your clients are panicked and stressed and they need someone to look at. And then part of it is also in the industry. We have an industry that's just got like multiple gunshot wounds here and is bleeding out and we're trying yeah. to find people to follow and fix it. So yeah. uh, do you see this current crisis as a bigger opportunity for leadership than ever before in this industry? I do. I mean, I, I look at it multiple things. I look at levels of of our two brain operations where our job is to take care of the other gyms and businesses that follow us. 
but as a gym owner myself, I see, uh, I see leadership more like a, I equate it to a shepherd watching over your flock, guiding and directing people, you know, providing security and visibility in scary times, you know, and helping them walk a path. Um, I see it as a huge opportunity for us as lo- other local business owners in town to establish ourselves as a leadership environment. Um, one of the biggest things I've always felt about leadership is great leaders draw and attract other leaders. And, you know, if we can do our best in that environment, in our own gyms, and our daily lives, we'll attract really great people to our communities. Have you had a chance to put that into practice? Like, I know you're, you're you, you've, I think you've been entrepreneur of the year in your city. Is that the right reward you've had? Yeah, we have been. We're, we're really fortunate that um, our goal is to take care of other people. That has been the founding piece of what we do. It's our vision and it's, it's our driving mission every day is building a community. It's connecting people together. Uh, and I think that's where leadership allows that attractiveness to bring people together who are also awesome people. And so that's you, where the community thrives. And have you had that opportunity now in the, in the COVID crisis to kind of step up in your, in your entrepreneur group in, the, in your local city to kind of make those connections and, and see what other people are doing and kind of find, form a, you know, almost a, like I'll call it a local leadership group? You know what? Yeah, I, I actually have done this a few years ago. There are some other gym owners where, ironically, we are competitors. Yeah. We play in the same space, but we have developed a connection, uh, a respectful friendship of each other. And we are infusing our local marketplace with, you know, social posts and content that shows that we can work together and it can be a healthy environment for us all. And that's, that's such a cool thing where, you know, your competitors, quote unquote, but at the same time, there are so many people that don't go to gyms that gyms aren't really competing with each other, right? Like you just need to find ways to get the people who aren't in your gyms to get there. And there's a huge number of them, right? So that's, yeah. it's really fascinating when you look at that. And that's the abundance mindset that people talk about all the time, right? Is like, there's enough for everyone. And if we work together, there's probably more than enough for everyone. You got it. You got it for sure. We've also tried in our environment to, to craft a pay it forward culture. And that's what we do in our membership as well. And that, you know, has bled out further as over, you know, over 12 plus years that we've been doing this, it's created other mini leaders in their own environment that they, they go off and service the community and, and feel confident about their efforts and connect people together too. So have you, have you always been a leader? Like you obviously started a gym and you have athletes and clients looking up to you from, from day one. Was that something that you kind of just naturally gravitated toward, or was it something that you had to work on and cultivate over the years? Oh, I, I think I've looked at myself as a, a natural leader, but I sure don't think it's, it's always been that way. I've always <laughs> felt like one, but I know it doesn't mean I've always been a good one. You know, it's, it's trial and error. Um, I have had a natural love of leadership. I'm constantly seeking learning. I observe a lot. Uh, I'm actually ironically a natural introvert by nature. <laughs> Me too. Um, but I observe uh, well, a lot and I, I feel I take the good from people that I observe. I really like how so-and-so has done this. I really like how they communicate with people. I like how they make people feel. I like how they project uh, professionalism or confidence. But you can also use the same concept to follow leaders that you say, I never want to be like that person because mm-hmm. you know it's, it's the same as what we teach in the incubator or the ramp up. You're learning your values. Who do you want to emulate and who do you want to never be like? 
Yeah, so, isn't that isn't that powerful? Like the the positive examples of like amazing leaders are yeah. super inspiring. But then you also can learn a lot from negative leaders. Like I've had a few jobs where I learned a lot from someone who just wasn't a good leader and tried to do the opposite of that. You know, it's like the Seinfeld Bizarro right. world where you just do, you do the exact opposite of what's normal or whatever in that situation. You got it. One thing I've learned though is you'll never be done working on your leadership. Yeah, it's a continuous process. And that's almost like intimidating in some ways is because you never reach the level where, you know, like it's like, oh, I'm Barack Obama. He's still working on stuff, right? Like it's yeah. not like, you know, he's a leader of the free world, quote unquote, in the most, you know, highest office and so forth probably still has some personal issues that he's got to work through. And that's, it's almost intimidating to think about it. I agree. I think sometimes we feel we've got certain areas down pat and then life throws you a humbling moment where you realize I got to start again. And and there's no shortage of that redoing. right now. <laughs> right? <laughs> Certainly not at this, uh, at this point. We're going to talk a little bit more about how to uh, build leadership skills yourself. Uh, yeah. But do you think that leaders are born or built. And you've talked about it a little bit where you said that you've had to work on it, but do you think that someone who's never thought of himself or herself as a leader can grow into that role? Or is it just like, you just don't have it? Sorry. Yeah, good, good question. I think my personal opinion, I think leaders are built. I think being born into an environment, you know, where if your parents are leaders, for example, that doesn't automatically mean you're given a gift of leadership. I truly feel that Leadership is a series of experiences, positive or negative, that develops your style. And I'm a huge advocate of constant education, continuous evolution of your skills. You know, human interaction and development comes and changes as we age. I don't think, um, you know, you're perfect right from the start, obviously. But through experience and through feedback, you build confidence. And confidence is what build action. And I think leaders arise from people taking action. And have you, have you seen that? I mean, I'm guessing that you have in your staff, like for example, you have a brand new coach that you've just hired or, or released from your training program. And that first whiteboard speech is probably a little bit awkward and there's some nerves and things like that. But then, you know, if you give this person the right resources and as they build that confidence, you know, have you seen them just blossom into these glorious leaders that, you know, the clients can't get enough of? I sure have. I truly believe that people's confidence grows from just try, have the courage to go out and try something like that. You can look at it from staff doing their first whiteboard and stepping on the training floor for the first time. You can also look at it from clients who come in the door and are terrified. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe as leaders, it's our job to give feedback and positive feedback at different interests, like in different stages of someone's development into a leadership role, into a new something. I think anybody that has any expertise um, in anything in life started from square one and they were given positive feedback and that built their confidence and then slowly built their expertise. I've seen it, you know, in two cases, I've seen like one coach, uh, we selected simply because he just had something, right? Like he was a natural, people just gravitated toward him, wanted to like be around him, would follow him wherever. Like he was just that guy. He just had that unassuming charisma kind of thing. And he was just a natural leader. We've had other ones who weren't like that, uh, but grew into it. So they started out that same thing where it's almost like a little bit meek and kind of afraid to quack the deadlift and like, just not, not, I mean, definitely had potential, but you wouldn't call them right off the bat leaders. But then after right. a little bit of growth, you could see them start to flourish. And it was really cool to see some of their their paths where as coaches and athletes uh, 
they really develop, but then also in their professionals, like they had, they had other professions outside this, things even changed there for, for them professionally because their confidence and everything changed. And they became, I think, leaders in those jobs as well. So it was just right. fascinating to see what happens in that environment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Personality is such a major piece. I will always hire for personality over skill. I'll teach you the skills, but yeah. you have to have the personality as well. You can't uncoach being a jerk, right? Or unlearn that. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, let's, so Chris Cooper, our, our two brain founder, he's written a ton about leadership. He, he calls himself a student of leadership. And he's often said that's, you know, it's, it's something that he works on all the time. Uh, he wrote a blog called How to Lead in a Crisis. It's, uh, we'll put that in the show notes if you guys want to take a look at that. He's got some really great advice in there. But he said in tough times, you know, leaders need to be realistic and optimistic. And so that's the idea of saying like, the next three months are going to be rough. Man, they're going to suck, but we are going to get through them. So he's saying you got to tell people, you know, you got to have to, you have to, he bases this on uh, Admiral James Stockdale, who was a prisoner of war in uh, Vietnam, right? And he, he was the leader of this horribly imprisoned group. And he had to tell them, we're probably not getting out of here for a really long time. It's going to be brutal. We're going to be tortured. It sucks, but we are going to get out. And it was just a fascinating concept uh, that, you know, that Chris has written about and others have written about. So what do you, what do you think about the, that whole thing where you have to be realistic and sometimes that comes with tough love, hard news and, you know, some negativity, quote unquote, uh, but also some optimism for the long term. What does that do for you? Mm, oh, I'm 100% on board. I, he's so right. You know, I, he, in times of crisis, people still have to have hope and faith that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Again, back to the personalities. If they don't have, uh, if they don't have hope or faith, then people turtle and stand still and don't do anything. It's the worst thing that you could possibly do. Um, you know, leadership in tough times it comes through experience and it comes through courage to move forward. Um, Chris's amazing talent of leadership didn't come out of nothing. He has gone through experiences that craft his ability to respond in crisis. He's had tough times. You can't take somebody who's never had a job and expect them to become a CEO right away. You have to start at the bottom, work yourself up, go through the hard times and gain the experience. So he's 100% bang on. Um, you know, leadership in crisis, I always say it's never born out of the ashes. It's the relationships and the trust that have been in place or have been growing years before that. People have to be able to trust their leaders that they have the capability, the decisions, and the, um, you know, that they've got the experience to lead them through. This has also talked a lot about, um, the, it's a leader's job to tell people what to do in tough times, like the most important things to do. And that's one of the two main principles of mentorship. Uh, obviously, you know this as a mentor, but we try not to sit here and tell clients, well, you know, maybe, you know, try this and this, you know, it might work. And here's an idea I haven't tested. We're trying really hard to give them actionable, concrete advice. And that, that requires yeah. a lot of courage, right? Like to say to someone, listen, you need to raise your rates by $50. Like, have you had to have that call with a client and had a, maybe not $50 or whatever, but you've had to tell a client something tough and it's difficult for you, obviously, because that requires a lot of leadership and courage to tell them what to do in a tough time when they're, you know, freaking out. Has that happened? Absolutely. Yes, it, it, it definitely happens. In my opinion, it comes to clarity. People need, in tough times, they need clarity and they need steps. They have to understand without getting too much information. But you have to be able to break stuff down into steps. So for taking people through emotionally, mentally draining times they're physically drained they're emotionally drained they just 
need to see a way out and they need to see the steps, how to get there in simple ways, but it has to be real. Well, that's kind of where a mentor, sorry, it's kind of where a mentor comes in, where, right? Where like when I'm having my most difficult moments, uh, everything is just piling on. It's really helpful to have someone outside just look from the outside and say, okay, dude, like you're spinning a lot of plates here. There's one that's really wobbling. You need to address that one right now. You know, yeah. that's really where the benefit of mentorship comes. And it's interesting because uh, of all the two brain mentors, I think there's 30 something. Uh, there's a lot of strong leaders on there. Like these are people that yes. are like, you know, amazing gym owners, but then also like, you know, people that they look to they obviously are, you know, big players in the community and just like big family people, either in their church or in sports leagues or things like that. Like people that I, I can't think of a single one on that list that is, that doesn't have some aspect of follow me, you know, that, mm-hmm. you, yeah, that you would want to follow. You know, right. Uh, so these guys and these mentors, they definitely, they work on this stuff. It's not something like you said, like there's no one that's just done being a leader and training. It, there are so many things that you can do. Uh, we're going to talk about exactly what you can do to become a better leader in just a sec. This episode of True Brain Radio is brought to you by Wattify. Wattify is an all-in-one solution for member management, appointment scheduling, and tracking. Wattify's insights tool includes the business health dashboard co-developed with Two Brain to provide average revenue per member, length of engagement, and more key metrics. Gym owners, to receive 20% off your first year of Wattify Core, visit wattify.com forward slash Two Brain. And we're back. So now we're the actionable stuff. We want you to be able to listen to this podcast and then take some action. So we talked earlier, we said you can improve leadership skills. How do you do it? How have you done it, Andrea? And how would you recommend people start doing it if they're just like, man, I need to be a better leader? You know what? I, like I said earlier, I observe a lot of people and I sit back and I say, what, what are they doing right now? What is, um, what is helping them stay focused? You know, I, I've watched Chris a significant amount since, well, for years we've been friends, but obviously through Two Brain, but specifically during this time through COVID, what is he doing? How is he um, making decisions? And how is he basically being a shepherd to, you know, hundreds, thousands of us that need leadership right now? And the three things that come to my mind for him for that I've looked at is like, what do you see? What do you believe is going to happen? And how do we get there? And in each of those situations, he is he has continuously come forward with uh, answers for the for all of us. How do we get to where we're going? And balancing the realism like we talked about earlier, but also with the enthusiasm that this is the way and people are seeing success from that. Ultimately, my best advice is find something, someone a course, a person, something that you can follow and stick with it. For us, it's been two brain. For me personally, I'm a huge advocate of Dale Carnegie. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen people, you know, read multiple books and courses and jump from course to course to course, but never dive deep enough to really learn anything or take action and do it. I'm a big advocate on find something that you connect with, something that you can follow with, study it, learn it, and practice and go back and do it again, study it again, learn it again, practice it again. So something like that. It's the same reason that um, even us as mentors who've been following Two Brain for many, many years, go back and ourselves redo the incubator or the ramp up program, you know, two, three, four times now, because you are following a system, you're following a leadership style, and you're continuing to learn it and practice it. So You'd recommend, as opposed to kind of being a tourist who spends a little bit of time in every city, maybe buying an apartment or renting an apartment for three or four months or maybe a couple of years and really digging into that place. 
so to speak. You got it. It doesn't mean you put blinders onto any other concepts or any other ideas. There's always aha moments. There's always, you know, tidbits to be learned. But I think, for example, if people wanted to be authentic CrossFitters and make it to the games, they weren't dabbling in Zumba for a while and then dabbling in, you know, boxing or something else, whatever their, their, their craft is, they got there by finding something they believed in, a tool, a methodology that got them where they were long-term. So if we lay out a step, the step right now would be find a person or a course that mm-hmm. inspires you and then dig in. And so that means yeah. like, you know, you've talked about Dale Carnegie. Uh, there are other leaders and people have written about it. Find a person and it doesn't have to be maybe, a, you know, a famous leading light in the industry. It could just be, you know, a, a local leader in your community that you connect with or something, but find that person and study. And that means you observing. Better. Yeah. Observe, talk, read anything they've written. If they have a blog or a book or anything like that, if they have a course, take it. Uh, and then really, really dig into that. So that's step one. Yeah. That's, uh, that's how I've done. Uh, I, I, like I said, I follow Dale Carnegie uh, methodology. I took that course and went, Oh, that's kind of cool. Took it again. Oh, that's really interesting. I've taken it a third time and now I'm now I understand the methodology. I understand how I approach. It has changed every single way that I interact with my staff and with people. Um, I'm finally finding courage to put certain tactics into practice with great success. But it's I've followed a methodology and I stick with it. Can you give me an example of that? Like what what is something that you wouldn't have done before this course with a staff member in an interaction and something that you would do now based on, you know, this three times through this course that you've gone? Yeah. Learning that to be an effective leader requires your ability to gain cooperation from the people you are leading. And the only effective way to gain cooperation is by enhancing relationships. So in their concept, it's a, it's a bit of a pyramid structure. God, CrossFitters love our pyramids, right? Um, <laughs> we do. But at the basis of all leadership is interacting with people, human relations, and, and how you deal with conflict, how you deal with new people, supporting them, how you deal with teams, how you deal with unproductive people, how you deal with combative people. Everything to do with developing relationships influences your ability to gain willing cooperation from the people you are leading. And that, again, if you can gain cooperation, that it makes you an effective leader. And this is irrelevant if you're in the gym industry. It is irrelevant if you are, my husband's a firefighter. I talk about the same thing. Him and as a captain in the Toronto Fire Department, if he does not have relationships with his colleagues, they will not follow him. And when it comes time for an emergency situation, if they do not have cooperation as a team, people are at risk. People die. It's irrelevant of, of what industry you're in. Could be sales, could be a gym, could be new people that walk into your gym. Your first and foremost thing is develop a relationship with your new members, gain their cooperation to follow what you are pre- prescribing for them to work out, to eat well, to sleep, mental health, and you've created success. So in, in, in history, there's been a lot, there have been a lot of leaders who have been maybe not based on relationships. They've been based on fear or intimidation or, or, uh, you know, violence even in some cases. Uh, but you know, in the business world, there are certainly leaders who are, it's not violence and and authoritarianism, but it's a form of authoritarianism where you have Uh leaders who are very, you know, assertive, almost to a point of being offensive. They're super aggressive. They're like my way or the highway. They're 
almost dominant. Is there a place for that style of leadership or where does that fit into things? Because those people are out there and like nobody likes working for them, but some of them are deadly effective. In my opinion, there's a place for it because I observe them and I say, I'll never be like that. (laughs) (laughs) There's easier ways to get things done. Yeah. Right. Uh, My response to that, Mike, is I look at those types of people and say, how long did they last? Mm -hmm. How long do they last versus uh, effective leaders? And there's cases, of course, there's, you know, there's cases where you can say, sure, they've lasted for a long time, but um, I don't follow those. I don't, I'm not inspired. Obviously, they're not inspiring to people, so they don't attract people. They don't attract the right people, but you can see what happens to those that are under their tutelage for many years. Think of people that have worked for a real poor boss or a real difficult person for years. Their mental health has suffered. Their physical health has suffered. Their relationships at home have suffered with their spouse, with their kids, because they can't, you know, compartmentalize the work environment under a real crappy boss. Yeah. And, you know, that's the term that comes to mind. I believe it was Jim Collins that wrote about this. I'm not quite sure if I remember correctly, but it was the concept of the brilliant jerk. Where it's mm-hmm. like, there are these people that often come into, into companies and they're brought in because they're just, they're amazing at something, like whatever that is, like math or, or, or whatever their skill is. But then they turn out to be just jerks and they, yeah. they ultimately ruin the culture and everyone kind of accepts them because they're like, oh, they're really good at that. So like, we'll just, you know, this, and I think uh, Gordon Ramsay, the chef was using this example where he's just like, you know, just vicious with people. Right. But he also has something that people want. Right. But in great companies, uh, and I believe this was in the book Good to Great by Jim Collins, uh, they talk about how that just doesn't, it doesn't really work because there's this, it's this, it's this thing that's great, but it's also corrupt in some way and it spreads. And like you said, it creates all these problems of misery and you know mental health issues. No one likes working. You got staff turnover. And ultimately, the, the solution is to get rid of that brilliant jerk and hire someone who's brilliant and nice. <laughs> <laughs> right? Absolutely. Like think of the difference, you know, uh, a dictator type of leader, they can gain compliance. They're not gaining cooperation. Ah, that's, that is insightful. A very, very big difference. And if you have somebody that's cooperating, they're going to give you their best. If you have someone that's compliance, they're just going to meet the bare minimum. So I got a little off topic there because you brought up such an important point. But so if we talk about developing cooperation and relationships. So we, we said, observe some great leaders, take some courses. We'll talk about some specific people after this, but for sure. you, how do you, how do you work on that? Like, how do you start building relationships and getting cooperation? Like what are, because those, those are like soft interpersonal skills in a lot of ways that are like, it's not necessarily like a step-by-step do this kind of thing, or maybe it is. How do you do that? You know, at the core of it, it's caring about people. Mm-hmm. It really is a genuine care the kind of care that you're like, oh, I thought of you today. Let me just pull out a little blank thank you note or a little note and send you something to let you know I care about you. It's going that over and above to acknowledge to people that they matter and developing deep relationships with people. Yet at the same time, I do have to say the relationships have to have boundaries mm-hmm. because there's a time where you can care too much and be taken advantage of. Um, I think a big a piece of leadership is also learning the difference between urgent and important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being able to prioritize. Chris is phenomenal at that, uh, especially with a team of people he has surrounded himself with. A big, big benefit of leadership is surrounding yourself with the right team. Um, but I'm a big advocate of investing in others and growing the next generation of leaders. So if I summarize that one, uh, it would be to build relationships with boundaries. 
And yes. that doesn't, I don't mean that in a, in a negative way. And I know you didn't either, but it's, it's the idea is like, you're a leader. That means that there is sort of a hierarchy going on, especially in a business. Like we can't all be in charge of the business and we can't all make decisions, right? There has to be, you know, yeah. one, one or, you know, maybe two if it's a partnership or something like that. But again, there has to be a leadership structure. Uh, and I know gym owners have certainly gotten into this, into this situation where, you know, you hire friends and your friends are your coaches and then your friends don't follow the procedures and you can't fire them and you don't know what to do. So there, <laughs> you have to build these really, that's the one where you've got the relationship, but you have no boundaries. Uh, right. So if, if, you know, step two here might be form close relationships with people, but also make sure that you do have boundaries and structure so that it's clear, you know, I'm in charge here, but I do care about your opinion. I do, you know, maybe not how we spend the entire budget, but I do care about what, you know, if you want new wall balls or something like that. Uh, and if you do build those relationships, it is, you know, it's a, it's, it's not a short-term thing. Like you talked about doing things and it's like, it can be small gestures like that. I know that you have often, uh, you're the secret gardener. Is that right? <laughs> yes. The garden tell bombing. People, tell people about that. I love it. That's a relationship builder. <laughs> you know what? That's my favorite little hobby. When uh, when people go away, you know, they'll go away for a weekend or go on vacation or something. I sneak into their house and I do a garden makeover for them. Um, and they come home and it's done. I love it. And it just, it makes me happy. It brings me joy. Because sure I love seeing them feel proud of their place. And well, I'm sure that probably builds that relationship, right? And like anything... Uh, you know, I'll, I'll give an example of a relationship that was was built. Now, that was super cool. And this is something that Chris has done too. But uh, John John Briggs, uh, the accountant, he wrote Profit First for uh, for Microgyms. And I helped him out with a few things there uh, through Chris. Uh, and John sent me uh, a bunch of stuff. But one of the coolest thing was a blanket and a pillow with my dog's face on it. Ah, oh, cool. Yeah, so we actually took the time to go take a look uh, at what I do and who I am and send me something that would mean something to me. I thought that was, that's the coolest thanks I could have had. Right. And so that's, that's, that to me is like a leadership thing where you're finding out things about people and making those connections. If you're maybe, if it's not, if you're trying to improve your leadership skills, how do you look for opportunities like that? Like maybe it's not intuitive. Like some people are just like born givers and helpers and things like that. Other people are like, you know, I, you talked about being an introvert. I'm the same way where sometimes I, I, I don't want to like, go out and put myself out there. How do people get past those things and find those opportunities to build relationships, whether it's with a staff member or even, you know, anyone in the community? Great question. My answer to that is, is to always look for opportunities to give honest and sincere appreciation for people. Um, somebody that's, you know, gone out of their way or did a little bit extra effort on something, just acknowledging it because we know how good that makes us feel when somebody acknowledges that. So like you said, for John to have given you a small little gift that was so important to you, but it was sincere, it was appreciative by you, but it shows how much you meant to him for your effort, your time. Mm -hmm. So it's essentially, it's just trying to be, I think this goes back to what you said earlier, try to be observant and, yeah. find, and find ways to connect with people. Yep. Is, is it, uh, is it, and is that like, I mean, I suppose if you look at it, that could become almost like an overly robotic process where if you're really trying too hard, it's, you know, you're forcing connections, things like that. This has to be kind of a natural thing where you're just, you know, learning to interact with people. Like in, in the Dale Carnegie stuff, have you kind of learned how to pick up on cues and just how to build relationships and, and extend influence in like subtle and effective ways? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Do you have any they, tips? You know, they, you know, becoming genuinely interested in other people. There's a difference between, you know, you and I can have a conversation. I'm like, oh, that's nice. Good job on that. But I can be genuinely interested and ask questions and be present in, you know, in mind. I can listen, um, letting other people do talking and, and just truly make somebody else feel important and feel valued. There's so many of those 
you know, basis to relationships, um, whether it's somebody that maybe you're not super fond of finding <laughs> ways, but finding good in something um, that they are interested in, find some way to connect with people, um, whether it's your best friend or some guy who kind of annoys you. There's something <laughs> involved in that person that you can get them to relax, to you know, simplify and be open to listening to your ideas, even if your ideas are very different from theirs. Something I, that brings up something I heard once, I, I don't recall who said it, but it was the idea of having a conversation. And instead of thinking about what you're going to say next, actually actively listening to what the person is saying. Yeah. And it's fascinating because if you catch yourself sometimes, and I have done this in conversations where you're sitting there like, oh, I thought of something really clever to say. And you're like kind of waiting, waiting, waiting. And then you're not actually listening to the conversation anymore. And it's really interesting when you get a really good listener or someone who's really good at interacting, how a conversation is so different. Because if you're really observing, you can see people waiting for that opportunity to jump in. You know, yeah. and it's, it's fascinating. And people typically want to jump in because they want to talk about themselves. Right? <laughs> flip, flip that conversation and get the other person to talk. People love talking about themselves. Get them to start opening up and pull some tidbits of information that you might be able to store in your brain for the next time you can appreciate them or you may need something from them or the ways that you can find that you can help them for sure. So another, we'll talk actionable stuff as well here. Are there courses, we've talked about Dale Carnegie, we've talked about some of the other things, but are there other courses and books that people might want to just take note of? Is there anything in your library or stuff that you've experienced that you think maybe people, especially gym owners, might want to write down right now and look at? I've always followed Jim Rohn, Uh, love his teachings. Um, I really, really enjoy John Maxwell's 21 Laws of Leadership. Mm Mm-hmm. A uh, big advocate of him, uh, you know, audiobooks and and a lot of that stuff. You know what I find is spend a little bit of time learning. Often doesn't require you know hours a day, but find something that you can find an aha moment for you because we're all at different stages of our leadership skills. Some are just beginning. Some have been doing this for years. We can always learn more. But I find when something you come across gives you an aha moment. I, I, I take those things, I put them as little sticky notes on my monitor, I write them down and I remember them and refer to them often until they're ingrained in part of my new repertoire. You guys um, can't see this, but Andrea just literally picked up a sticky note and showed it to me off her monitor though. So I couldn't read it, what inspirational stuff it had on it, but I'm sure it was <laughs> earth shaking. So we'll, we'll share that in the next episode. <laughs> sure. It says, even if you think you've won an argument, you may have broken the relationship. Well, there you go. That's a good That's one. It. Where's that come yeah. from? Uh, I don't even remember. Um, But those types of things. So I'm constantly spending time remembering these little tidbits of information that will add to my skill set. You said uh, the Dale Carnegie course was great. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about characteristics of ideal leaders in the gym environment. So again, this is business and there are going to be some shared things, but the fitness business is kind of interesting where you have these close personal relationships uh, with people. You have to be a motivator. You have to be a psychologist in some cases. It's not the same as potentially, you know, say owning a convenience store where the relationships are very much transactional and very short and brief. And it's like, I've got my Twinkies and I'm out kind of thing. This is like, you are dealing with people's hopes, dreams, goals, self-esteem, wishes, beliefs about themselves. You know, I don't know how many people have cried in your gym, but uh, <laughs> there there have been a lot in my gym, right? Tears of many. joy and sadness, right? These are like, 
very close personal relationships. So let's talk about like the leadership elements in that environment. Uh, I'll give you one right off the top just to, to, you know, start it off and then we'll talk about some more. So the one that I'll give you is, uh, and you tell me if you agree or not, uh, consistency, meaning it's, it's, I think it's important in a gym environment to be a consistent presence and very level. And that doesn't mean that you can't be like a little bit more restrained or a little bit more enthusiastic, but in general, I think people gravitate towards leaders in the gym environment who are always consistent. Nothing really phases them a lot. Uh, nothing gets them, you know, obviously excited, but like they're not erratic moving up and down in the kind of that, you know, seesaw kind of way, a consistent leader. And I think for the ones that I gravitate towards are those people that nothing really phases them. What do you think of that one? Ah, I love that. I mean, and from a staff point of view, you have your coaches. Um, absolutely. People with relationships, they get to know your personality and think of gym owners, uh, sorry, or even coaches over the years. Um, just like a family member, they know when you're not on. They know when you're not yourself. Yeah. So if you're providing, if you're committed to a consistent level of service, you're committed to, um, you know, a, a consistency in how you treat people. Everybody should be treated equally and fairly constantly. Um, consistency, in my opinion, as far as continuing education, it is a really, really big piece. That's a good one. And that's both um, technical, probably technical in terms of like actual, like hard skills, like coaching the squat and professional and personal development. Right. No. Absolutely. The, you can't have one without the other, but coaches need to be continuously educating themselves. Education and learning um, energizes people because they feel they have value to offer. As soon as people feel they have nothing of value to offer anymore, then they're, they're not useful. Uh, you know, they don't provide value to the people, whether it's motivation or, um, you know, why would I keep paying for somebody if they have nothing else to offer? Right. Any other, what other characteristics, what else, what would you look for in a, in a, if you were going looking for a gym right now and you walked in, what would you want to see from that owner? Is there any other characteristics we can put our fingers on? Customer service for one thing, they have to be, they have to care. You can genuinely feel if people genuinely care about the success of people or if they're just another number or so if they're just caring caring is yeah, is caring would be a good one yeah professionalism as well Ooh, you know like safety first they have to be professional in how they treat people i often watch people how they treat their staff um you know to me um how they the level of effort they put in their in their marketing materials their website their branding how what level of care do they have I feel that establishes their leadership in their, in their marketplace. So that's, that's, that would be, uh, if we break that down a little further, that would be caring in the sense of like being a kind, caring, engaging person who's realistically, genuinely engaged in a client and, and wants that client to succeed. So there's that. But then there's also the element of, I have a clean bathroom because that's just how much I care about this place. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. The other thing I'd add about caring is how you talk about people when they're not there. Uh, this is a good one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a piece of, again, of human relations about you shouldn't be criticizing, condemning or complaining other people about people because if you do that in front of others, they'll then wonder what well, I'm not here. Do you do that to me? Whether it's to your staff, about your staff, whether it's about other members, you know, if you have a, a stash of new people and you're talking about other members that can't do this or can't do that, of course, your new people are going to be like, well, that's me. I fall into that category. Do you talk about me when I'm not there? What you say about people when they're not around is very, very important. 
so there's just there's an element of character there i think where it's like as as a leader you obviously have beliefs and you have standards and so forth uh and i i think not speaking ill of others when they aren't there or speaking only to people's faces uh even go so far as to say standing up for people who aren't there maybe in our you know, i've been in groups and i'm sure you have too where someone's like oh so and so is such a jerk and i don't like that person and blah blah, blah. and then it kind of gets into one of those you know sessions of cutting people apart mm-hmm. standing up and maybe saying guys like you know, because we've all sat there and it's easier to join in, right? It's easier to join in and say, oh, that person does suck. Man, I can't stand him or her. It, it's tougher to stand up and maybe bring that down. So that's what, I mean, I, what I'll say there is character. I think the one, the word I'll use to define that is, is character. So leaders have to have character and that character probably needs to be grounded in some, you know, firmly defined system of beliefs that allow them to operate. Yeah. I agree. And, you know, we talked about that right at the top of the hour when we said, in my opinion, a leadership, a leader is somebody that's willing to step away from the crowd and create space for change. It's hard to do that. You know, yeah. it's, it's really hard to do that. Uh, one of my favorite lines relates to that is from George Orwell's 1984, and it's uh, sanity is not statistical, meaning if 10 million people do one thing, that doesn't mean it's right. That doesn't yeah. mean that's the smart thing to do. And man, it's, it's hard in the COVID crisis right now where uh, a lot of people that just went with the crowd are in some tough times, and a lot of people that yeah. made some like really hard choices and changed some things and had to re, you know, reshuffle their entire business models and, and create new products and services overnight. And that's a lot of the two brain family did that very quickly. That was hard to do, but there is a leadership element of that. And all of a sudden you see these gyms doing it. Other gyms are asking them, how did you do that? What do you do? You know? And that's so you're exactly right. That the ability to willingness to change and step out from the crowd is hard, but that's, yeah. that is a true leadership. You know, we'll call it, we'll call that an element of, you know, daring risks, maybe self-confidence. I don't know. What do you, what do you think of that? It's having courage. Yeah. You know, a good courage, step, courage, but that's where the magic happens. When you step out of your comfort zone, we all know that that's where everything, that's where the good happens. Amazon didn't exist before. And then someone uh, made it happen. Same thing with Netflix, right? The courage yeah. to say VCR tapes suck. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. You know, I don't want to rewind this thing. How about, uh, how about passion? Do you think that's important? I believe, yeah, and I think um, passion has to be genuine. I feel people, maybe it is like us, that are we're very passionate people. You are, I am as well, but that's where my introvert side comes in because I don't think passion can exist all the time. I think it takes a lot of energy, and I don't think it's effort, but it can – it's there in – I don't want to say spurts. It's there but it also has to have a regeneration to it. I think that almost relates back to the consistency that we, you know, we talked about at the beginning because the same thing, like it's not enough. Like I've seen people like, okay, I am passionate about powerlifting for three months. Right. You know, that, that to me is like, that's more of kind of a whimsical, you know, flight of fancy than it is a passion. And for me, that passion is less like that big giant flame than it is that, you know, steady burning fire that kind of warms the campsite for the entire night kind of thing. You got it. Exactly. And that's why I'm saying it has to be a genuine piece because we can all have moments of super hot fired passion and then it, it recedes. It's probably, there's probably a a marriage analogy in there probably somewhere too, I think, right? (laughs) I think so, (laughs) right? But at the same time, it doesn't mean that they fall out of love with whatever they were passionate about. It just means that the ebbs and flows of the energy is changing. But the fire never goes out and so forth. You got it. Uh, Humble. Do you think that's important? Oh, that's so, that is an absolute hands down requirement for our facility. Because some Humble leaders confidence. aren't. Some leaders very much aren't. Yeah, and they're the ones that I don't follow because I can't stand being around them. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, we call it a humble, a humble confidence. Mm. Um, you have to have confidence as a coach to stand in front of a class, but you can't stand up there and tout how awesome you are. Um, people won't, they don't like that. That's such a turnoff is someone that is cocky and overconfident. I dealt with, um, we're doing some home renovations and I dealt with a, a number of contractors over the last little bit. And some of them were like assertive and confident and gave me a real feeling of like, you know, that is fixed the way it should be fixed. And it is, that is a good job. And then I, I had the other experience where there was another contractor and uh, she was very like overconfident to the point of like, no one has ever done a better job than that. This is literally the best thing that's ever happened in the history of home renovations. And it was just like this, like it, it reeked of arrogance and it didn't yes. give me the same feeling, right? Like I felt like this was a, like a snow job, right? Like someone was just trying to put, put one over and, and blow past what I like obscure what had actually happened. Whereas there was another guy and he, like I said, he's, I just said, does this need, he's like, this is done really well. Yeah. He's like, Oh, that's what I needed to like write that off and not worry about it anymore. You know? So that's, do you have that humble confidence? Is that built into your, like, is that language actually in your staffing documents and your, and your, uh, the language that you use around your facility? How is that I think it is. I think it is. I think we talk about it often as our staff. Like it's a requirement on staff to be humble. It is in my contract of their code of conduct. We have a code of conduct that all staff sign as part of their service agreements. And then part of our team values, it's in there that you must be a humble person. You can be super confident in your ability, but when you interact with people, that's the caring piece. It's more about them and not about you. So guys, this is uh, an example of you know, taking your vision as an owner and actually baking it into every aspect of your business. And if you want to see more about that, check the previous episodes to Brain Radio. Kalita Connell was here and she talked about making your vision a reality. It's an unbelievable show about taking this like grand vision that guides everything you do and then pushing it into every single element of your business so that your staff and clients feel. So, you know, Andrea just talked about that and there's a good overlap there, but if that is something that you're struggling with, spend the hour with Kalita Connell and me uh, and that's in our archives and you'll learn a ton of stuff. I sure did. Uh, I wish I had learned, heard that show 10, uh, 10 years ago, I think. Uh, as we're wrapping up here, let's give people one thing to do. So this, this is the one big takeaway. They're going to step off this show, hit stop, and they want to be better leaders. Can we give them one thing? And again, putting you on the spot here. What would you tell someone to do? If I said to you, if I was a mentorship client, uh, should I be so lucky to talk to you? I'd say, like, I, I am struggling with leadership right now at my gym. I'm just, I don't know that people want to follow me. I don't know how to assert myself. What would you tell me to do right now to get better? I'd say start with building stronger relationships of the people around you. Would you, sorry, would you recommend like a few that I look at, like, you know, pick five and hit those people? Or would you just in general start uh, expanding my net or what would you do? I would start with your immediate team. So in in our case at our gym, um, yes, I'm the owner, but I also have a management team of my core staff that are around me because I need to invest in those people so they can be my army that goes out and takes care of the rest of my community in the methodology that I want taken in the humbled confidence that we just talked about. So I invest in the relationships of the people closest to me so they can become better leaders and, and take care of the rest of my flock. And would you, to do that, would you go plant a secret garden or what would be the step that you would take? And you can think of like one specific person, but if you want to strengthen a relationship with, with one of your, like, let's say it's your, it's your number two, whoever that person is in your business, male, female, whatever, that person, if you want to strengthen that relationship, 
right after this podcast ended, what, what's, what's the step that you would do? I find something that they've worked on recently that they've put a lot of effort in and I acknowledge that and I give them a special little um, appreciation reward. Could be just some positive words. It could be just a, um, I just bought my staff new pairs of shoes because <laughs> they all worked their tails off during the COVID shutdown and acknowledgement that this was really hard for you guys. Um, and I gave it to them over a poolside little barbecue. We just held for them all as a way to build the team back up. I like it. I think that's, that's, that's a, that's a super cool thing. Uh, and it could be, you know, as, as awesome as a pair of shoes, or it could be even a small, a small thing. If, you know, if the budget doesn't have that, you could probably find just about anything. So the, the advice I guess is find something that's important to the, the people closest around you. Yeah. Find a way to tell those people that you appreciate what they did, what they're doing, you know, through a gift or even through the gift of like your time and, and, and words and a high five probably. You got it. Uh, just a small little, it could be, it doesn't have to cost money. Words are so powerful. A small little, take your time, get them a little thank you card. Say, I really appreciate what you've done lately. We'll pump their tires so much and be that they were acknowledged that you saw what they've done, that you value them. So there it is. If, uh, if you want right now to make, take a step right after you hit stop on this podcast, think of, two or three people on your team who are closest to you. And if nothing else, send them a text and just say, thank you for something, something you that that it. person did to make your life, your business better. And you can certainly take that further. If you want to call that person, it's even better. Say it in person. Awesome. Send a gift even better, but do something to strengthen that relationship. Andrew, this has been great. You've, uh, you certainly give us a ton of cool stuff to think about. And, uh, I thought it was really cool to see, to talk with you about this because you've been in a leadership position for so long. So thank you for spending the time with us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. In another, in another 10 years when you've been, uh, you know, on a gym owner for two decades, we'll come, uh, we'll get you back on and tell us if, uh, what you've learned about leadership then. Will you join us? I sure will. All right. Thanks, Andrea. Thank you for tuning in to Two Brain Radio. I'm Mike Workman with Andrea Savard. Our leader, Two Brain founder, Chris Cooper, is all about action. For free daily directives that will help you improve your business, head to twobrainbusiness.com and check out the blog. Chris turned a failing gym into a thriving business, then built a worldwide mentorship company to help others do the same thing. And he shares his secrets for free. That's the blog at twobrainbusiness.com. Thanks for tuning in to Two Brain Radio. Please subscribe for more episodes wherever you get your podcasts.